what is it? What's the nickname in Blade Runner? They're Joy. Oh, Replicant. Replicant. Uh, yeah, thank you, Chris. You gotta include your voice. <laughs> Engineer Chris is over here smirking at me. He's, he's in all great <laughs> podcasts, there's this funny relationship between the podcasters and the engineer. It's like, I see you over there, Chris. Go back in your cage. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> and then, but the engineer is the guy who actually knows he anything. Knows. And he listens yeah. to us talk and he's like, these These idiots. idiots. <laughs> and they're the ones talking. If I have to hear the word artificial <laughs> intelligence or singularity one more time. He's like, replicants. <laughs> God damn it. He's actually not recording this at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <It's> like <laughs> Just making us feel better. Anyways... Welcome to The Twelfth Story, a book discussion podcast produced by Cincinnati's Mercantile Library, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss. The Mercantile Library is 180 years old and is the literary center of Cincinnati. Throughout the year, the Mercantile Library hosts authors and speakers, book discussion groups, and other civic events. We are a working library with more than 90,000 books available to members. We're located at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and online at mercantilelibrary.com. And we always welcome new members and guests. Graciously and generously joining us today in the lecture hall on the 12th story of the Mercantile Building are Ben Greenberg, principal at BSLLC, a boutique marketing firm and a director here at the library. And myself, Gabby Blocher, a director here at the library. Today, we are here to discuss a nonfiction book by Nick Bostrom, which is called Superintelligence, Paths, Dangers, and Strategies. Dr. Bostrom is a professor at Oxford University and the founding director of the Future of Humanity Institute. This book is an exploration of a potential future where we as humans are faced with a superintelligence explosion. We'll define what that means in our discussion. So to go ahead and get started, uh, I'm going to mention that um, uh, podcast participants dropped like flies as we <laughs> prepared yeah, to have this, this discussion is, uh, today. <laughs> it seems like we're like, are we the unpopular kids? <laughs> are we the indoor kids at recess? <laughs> I want to do my homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> This book was uh, um, a monster, um, I think, as far as being able to read it. I, th I would go so far as to say understand it. Let's pause for just a second. You're cool with me saying that it was not, not completed. Oh, yeah. No. I, in fact, uh, let's not pause okay. um, <laughs> because I didn't finish it, and I found it really hard to finish. Uh -huh. um, and even if I had finished, if, even if I had completed the number of pages in the book, I would definitely not have read the, like, Hundred pages of notes and yeah. endnotes. Yeah. Uh, I would not have understood or read or or even read the proofs, the mathematical proofs. I yeah. mean, this was, for all intents and purposes, a, a college textbook. Yeah. Uh, worse. Worse. Yeah, yeah. Worse. I I like am craving a college textbook yeah. right now. Like, yeah. Give me like a geology yeah. text or yeah. something with a bunch of pictures or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny. Like his, this. 
when you mentioned the notes, so I, I, uh, I don't know if I'm proud to say, because I've wasted a lot of precious time <laughs> that could have been spent with my two young children, um, but I read this book, and I read all the notes. And a lot, the notes are not even, um, they don't um, elucidate points he's making uh, often. It's just continued ramblings um, of his, and I think a lot, a lot of what this entire book is is just um, pure speculation about really what I would say loose topics. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm not a physicist. This guy is obviously really smart, I guess, because he is an, um, ha ha he's achieved a lot as an academic and he's, I think, well regarded, but, uh, he does not write in a, he doesn't write in an accessible way. He doesn't write well. He writes let in a rambling way. Let me ask you this, Kevin. Yeah. What, what do you think? This is this is what I was confronted with while reading this book. I was confronted with a situation where like every single page would go by and I would not be I'd be completely unsure what I just read. Mm -hmm. So the question that that brought up is what what is understanding? What does it mean to understand something? Mm -hmm. Because I I had a lot of trouble when you read something that you love or that's really engaging yeah. that you can't put down, you rip through it, right? Mm -hmm. In like a couple of days and you feel like you could, you could sit down with someone the next day and tell them the entire thing, mm -hmm. you know, and you, and you would be able to repeat lines because they're so well written. Mm -hmm. This, I feel like I don't, I don't really understand this book at all. Like I don't, I didn't understand, I didn't process it. Well, so that's, it's interesting because there, there, it's, he would love this discussion. I know. That's why of, I brought it up. <laughs> they're one of two things. It's either that we didn't understand it or that there's frankly kind of nothing to understand. That's kind of the two binary extremes that could be the, the case in, in regards to what you just said. Because I, I, I felt that way many for many, many, many pages of the book, for sure. But then I would have... I, I felt other ways too, not with, so every, again, I read every single page of the book and its notes. And there were some parts that were, I found engaging, some parts that I found engaging. And I paid attention and kind of got his point. But then th th I would say that would be like 20% of the book. And then there was maybe another 20, so then 60% of it was what, like you just described, like I re read, 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 and I realized like I'd figured out what I was going to buy for my groceries right. this weekend, but yeah. have no idea what pages I just read, what was the content of the pages I read. So the other 20% that I was engaged in, that that I was understanding, I was like, this is nonsense. Like, a lot of it was total nonsense. <laughs> like, right. he, makes, he, makes, he made several points that were, uh, I think, logically flawed. And he made several sort of, again, hypothetical assumptions about the nature of humanity that were... Like, I, the other notes that I have throughout the book where I'm go I say, what? Like, what is he talking about? Like, he's, he says, oh, clearly, there's, at the very bitter end, he talks about how, oh, clearly, um, humanity, if, if it has the choice um, to have a billion dollars for each person or, or, like, one person will get to have $10 billion, uh, clearly everyone in hum humanity will choose to have, choose to be egalitarian so that everyone gets a billion dollars. And I'm like, that's not true. Yeah. Like, that's not the way. I, I think that that is, uh, that is a, uh, I came across a similar, um, conclusion in a philosophy class, uh, that it was a political philosophy class. We were studying the work of John Rawls mm -hmm. 
And John Rawls has a, has he this, references Rawls. Yeah, he has a thought experiment called the Veil of Ignorance, mm-hmm. which is it's not it's not that people in our society right now, as we know them, would choose egalitarianism. It's if you set the controls of society as such that everyone gets to be, everyone is behind a veil of ignorance, meaning they don't know what they're going to end up mm-hmm. as. I think it's about, it's kind of about game theory mm-hmm. and decision-making yeah. theory. If, if, if they didn't know what their allotment in life would be, that they would try and, that everybody would choose the most egalitarian system because, because of the uh, insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not how, uh, but that mm-hmm. thought, that, is uh, almost like what is the point of that thought experiment i, mm-hmm. I never understood mm-hmm. i like john rawls mm-hmm. I, I always really liked his his ideas and i and i think and i mean as a political liberal as a left-leaning mm-hmm. person i i agree with the conclusion that society should be yeah uh fairer it's more idea. fair mm-hmm. but yeah it's not a it's it's a thought I've, this is about and this goes like what is the point of thought experiments mm-hmm. why do them what yeah. what can they teach us about some of them i think are useful i guess right but, so, so, and I think the whole book, rather, I, w- I thought that this was going to be, like, I, I am fascinated by, and so I think, you know, we'll, we will talk a bit about the larger topic about, uh, of what superintelligence is, and I'll, I'll give a little summary of this book, and I, I skipped the uh, typical, we discussed before the podcast, whether or not I would include the typical spoiler alert uh, language in our, uh, in our uh, intro, and I skipped it, A, because it's a nonfiction book. Um, we, we, I don't think any, even knowing any spoilers will ruin it. And also, we don't recommend the book, so don't <laughs> read, don't read it. <laughs> um, it's, this is better to listen to the podcast, I think. I hope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, this book is largely a, a thought experiment. It's not a um, what I what it purports to be, which is here. Here is here are some. It, it does sort of cover these topics, but. It doesn't uh, succinctly and well cover the topics of what are the paths to superintelligence. I mean, it kind of gets at that at the beginning. And then what are the dangers of it? It sort of like smatteringly throughout the book covers what those three things are, paths, right. dangers, and strategies. Right. It doesn't really get into, I think, what the right strategy is, like how yeah. to attack it. One of the things he says also at the end is that uh, um, only, only really smart people can address... Paraphrasing you, Nick Bostrom, but only really smart people can address this topic. Um, it's a good thing that only really, really, really smart people are currently addressing it, but we need more smart people. And I'm like, oh, really, buddy? Really? <laughs> like he's there, he's among this very small elite number of people here in the world who are covering this topic. He puts himself there. Yeah, w- <laughs> that's such a really, really good question about like access and equity i I, you know it's like (laughs) i'm sorry that society is so up that we can't produce you know that our that our school systems can't produce you know people that are able to understand this jargon that you're writing (laughs) you know this sort of like insular that that's the other thing is like and you know this isn't revolutionary ground but Academics, academic writing is notoriously bad. It's yeah. notoriously like this, yeah. and it feels like it almost feels like a like their way of controlling the access to that career path. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you can't be an academic because you can't you can't process this much information. Yeah. You can't process these complicated, you know, 
30 clause sentences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it always, it always, it, it feels really aggressive. It feels really um, like violent almost, yeah, you know, yeah. like, like, uh, like an assault yeah. against me. Yeah. Which is really unfortunate because what he's trying to say is, is that these issues really matter and they're mm-hmm. really important mm-hmm. and we, we need more people to, to think about them, but, but only the right people yeah. and only the people that I say. Yeah. Um, what would happen if, but on the other hand, and I'll just throw this in here. <laughs> on the other hand, people are fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Like people are crazy and mm-hmm. stupid. There was a, I recently read um, <laughs> that uh, this I I'm, I don't know who which country it was, but they but they decided to crowdsource the uh, the naming of a new research like a naval research vessel mm-hmm. like a ship. And the name that overwhelmingly won mm-hmm. uh, was like Bodie McBodie Ship. <laughs> it was like Bodie McShip. <laughs> like that's that's where we are. <laughs> so you know, part of me thinks you know, maybe Boston's right. Maybe it's like you know, there's a level of like we're just doomed. Mm-hmm. We're not. Nobody's gonna figure this out mm-hmm. because we're all you know Bodie McShips. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just floating around on like he he talks about how we've developed this you know our cultural uh, development is has grown exponentially over the last you know millennia like we're just adding to the like cultural understanding and that yeah. uh, computer with super intelligence and maybe this is when you should jump in with the synopsis mm-hmm. I don't know mm-hmm. a computer that's achieved super intelligence would be able to do that amount of intellectual work in an afternoon mm-hmm. um, yeah. But so much of that cultural development is, you know, the Bodie McShips. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. the, the like, just like bullshit, you know, just kind of like the, the expressions of our of our ids and our anxieties, mm-hmm. which come out in really disgusting mm-hmm. and or hilarious or scary ways. Mm-hmm. And I don't like I don't know where that fits into the picture of machine intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like bad art. There's bad art. Yeah. yeah. And there's bad art that's interpreted as good art yeah. because people think it's ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 And there's, yeah. And, the, and, but people, there is a culture of like create, create, create and be an artisan. But like, what if you're bad at it? Um, what if you're bad at it? And then what if someone thinks that you're good at it yeah. because they're in the academy or they are overthinking mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Gabby, what is this book really okay, about? Okay, so let's. So I'll just be <laughs> quick and sort of not. Uh, I'm not going to read you something long and boring, but I'll say I'm going to talk about some of the topics that he covers. And I just, again, I gave him a bunch of grief for not actually covering these topics, but he does. I guess they're just. It's just in a very roundabout and all over the place way. So it kind of starts out with past developments and present. Pres- I'm, I'm just going through kind of the contents list. And by the way, again, don't recommend reading the book, but if you want to just um, find uh, the content list online and read it, um, you'll understand what the whole book is about. Um, so past development and present capabilities, that's kind of like where we are um, in terms of development of, of uh, super intelligent. And I want to make a distinction between super intelligence and artificial intelligence. I'm going to do my best and please correct me if I'm wrong or if your understanding is different. And that super intelligence, um, and I'm quoting from the book here from page 22, any intellect that greatly exceeds the cognitive performance of humans in virtually all domains of interest. Interest. So, And then artificial intelligence is that produced by a machine 
But he talks a lot about another version of superintelligence, which is whole brain emulation. So that's right. um, just like making humans or human brains. It doesn't have to be a whole human um, that is exceeds the average intelligence of the, of a normal human. So uh, I read there's a great supplement to not just this book, but kind of the whole topic of artificial intelligence. And it's by, it's on a blog called Wait But Why. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, this this guy named Tim Urban writes these incredible long form posts on a lot of different topics. He's written about Elon Musk. He's written about procrastination. Mm-hmm. Um, and his two part um, post about artificial intelligence is fantastic. And he likens it to the way he explain, explains Bostrom's concept of brain emulation is if you were to take a human, it's like the, the problem with the human brain, the problem with our brain, which is awesome, which is an awesome computer. Mm-hmm. The problem is that it needs things like sleep and mm-hmm. food and mm-hmm. water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, if you emulated the human brain, uh, with machine with, you know, a silicon based, mm-hmm. uh, brain, um, it would never need to sleep. It would never need to eat. It mm-hmm. would never need, you know, it would never die. So it's operating at the human level or, or with, with sort of human cognitive abilities, mm-hmm. but all the time forever and way faster, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like 10, like potentially depending on the energy source, depending, you know, depending mm-hmm. on a lot of things, but potentially, you know, 10,000 times the speed of, mm-hmm. of the human brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was always a, it's a useful now a mm-hmm. useful explanation. Yeah, that is definitely useful. Um, we'll get back to it, and I just I want to quickly cover. So he talks about paths to. He sort of speculates about what paths to superintelligence there might be. Um, forms, which is interesting. Some of this stuff is pretty interesting. Forms of superintelligence: speed, collective, quality. So those are interesting. Again, if you just kind of read through this list of contents and like get a definition for each of these things, that's the book. Don't read the book. Um, the kinetics of an intelligence explosion. So this is the stuff that like I'm interested in. And I think, again, we're going to get to another topic, which is works of fiction that cover that mm-hmm. in interesting ways, we think. Um, the strategic advantage. So he kind of covers this uh, in the middle of the book and then towards the end. Um, Cognitive superpowers. So then this is the part, these are the parts where I just, he's starting to lose me. Again, I read all, every word, but he's kind of losing me in the middle. He's going through super intelligent will is the default outcome doom, the control problem. And then he defines these different kinds of super intelligence, oracles, genies, sovereigns, and tools. That's kind of interesting. Um, he goes into multipolar scenarios. And then Towards the end, he talks about the strategy and how to deal with things, and it kind of picks to me the very last chapter. It feels like he wrote the very. It feels like the very last chapter is this like standalone, again, sort of powerful philosophical. It's like five pages long philosophical piece about this issue, which is really the. It's got powerful language and it's cool, but it's not a lot of like content. Um, it's just interesting. Um, so. That's kind of my summary, and then again, all it is is you can take a look at the contents, con- contents, and you'll get a sense of that summary. But one of the, one example of something that I think he skips around on when you talk about whole brain emulation, he, he does he jumps back and forth in this topic of a conscience and morality, and he'll he'll he makes these sort of blanket statements about how um, well a superintelligence won't have 
won't have morality, won't have a conscience, so dot, dot, dot. And he talks about these, like, scary scenarios of, right. like, uh, the whole world turning into paper clips because they're the machine. Uh, that's, I love that. <laughs> that's my favorite one. <laughs> and then um, he... Um, but it, he skips... He, he go, then goes back and forth on that, I swear, because at times he talks about how the development... It, it will... Like, there is a way to create morality, and there's a way for... Um, the self, a self-interested or sort of mission-oriented complex superintelligence to develop something like a value system and a morality system. And why, I, the, there's this singular question I think that I'll try to be succinct in saying, which is why would a machine superintelligence get to skip over the stuff that a human or whole brain emulation, either of those things, get to skip over the stuff that the other stuff that puts humans down, keeps us back, which is emotions, yeah, and like memory and self-interest and all these little like emotional and morality things. That I mean, this is where it gets tricky because I don't feel like I really have the the equipment mm -hmm. to talk about it, um, which is why I found reading it difficult. Yeah, um, but. Uh, what I, what I think his answer would be, would be to, to let's, he would be, let's consult the, you know, the, our, our current understanding of neuroscience and mm -hmm. how the brain actually works mm -hmm. and how, what, what is an emotion? What mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. a memory and how does that function within our neurological platform? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't, I don't have the answer to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think his argument would be that depending on which flavor of super intelligence you are looking at um, mm -hmm. that it's possible that all of that cultural and uh, all of that cultural evolution um, is again I feel like I'm at a loss for words it's mm -hmm. like it's it's sort of uh, grandfathered in mm -hmm. if, if you want yeah, yeah, to yeah. put it that way into yeah. a system that um, contains all human learning mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> The reason why I'm at a loss for words is because I think what we're what we're talking about is something that he kind of dispenses with quickly is is the old age old question of you know the nature of consciousness what mm -hmm. it's like to be a human being and and philosophers have debated about debated about that for eons mm -hmm. for as long as philosophers have been around to debate such issues mm -hmm. and it's the question of if something achieves um, like awareness uh, self awareness or awareness of of self awareness of, I don't know about like self, like mm -hmm. let's start, it's the language. It's so difficult. Mm -hmm. Like what would, if a computer were conscious, what would the computer think the computer is? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. would, it, mm -hmm. would, it, would it understand it? Would it, would the computer understand that the computer is a silicon based mm -hmm. electronic, you know, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, because I don't know what it's like to be a dog. I don't know mm -hmm. what it's like to be you, Gabby. Mm -hmm. I don't. I can't. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if you're a human. You could right. be a robot. Right. Exactly. And this is like such a like a stoner conversation of yeah. like, oh, hey man, like, is your red my green? You know, it's like the same. It's the age old question of consciousness. Like, how do we know it really exists? Yeah, I cannot believe. I, I wrote down a list of movies that have addressed this topic um, for us to discuss today. And by the way, let's just get to the fun stuff. We're going to kind of move away from the book. Okay, no. great. Um, but um, um, I cannot believe you just made me remember basically probably the best one, which is Blade Runner. 
I can't believe yeah. I didn't have it on my list. So good. Yeah. I just rewatched that. Uh, we did the Neuromancer um, a couple podcasts yeah. ago, and I got to start thinking about this mm-hmm. uh, this book and this, these questions. And Blade Runner, of course, is, you know, was a big influence mm-hmm. on the Neur- Neuromancer. It came first. Um, Blade Runner did. Yeah, Amazing. the 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 story that Blade Runner is based off of mm-hmm. came before Neuromancer and influenced it. Do it's uh, called do androids do dream androids of, dream of electric, electric sheep? sheep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, why? So so that's why I've always been. I mean, isn't it true? Wouldn't you agree that movies, films, books they're more they're better equipped at dealing with this because yeah. they ask the question in a more interesting and nuanced way, or yeah. or at least like provide the thought experiments in a more interesting and nuanced way. Yeah, I mean, I was just, I just listened to today um, after I got rid of, got finished the horrible task of finishing this book. I uh, listened to a, a couple of podcasts that I love about a TV show, which I love, which is called The Americans. And um, I was just thinking about what visual, you know, forms, um, how they can represent stories better than the written word sometimes, bottom line. And, uh, and I did, over the weekend, watch um, The Terminator in, pres- in preparation for this discussion. And that's a f- really good movie. And it's like I said to my husband, it, they don't make them like that anymore because it's an original. That story is not based on any story. It's an original story written by James Cameron and another woman um, just for the film. That's what it was. You know, It was just like, we're going to make a film it's going to be about this thing where this guy travels in time and comes back, and the reason he comes back in time is to kill this woman because she's the mother of like the future right. Messiah and the war against the machines. Pretty good story. It's a great story. It's a great story. And uh, really, just a classic tale, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's like you know that thing about how there are only a couple of story like fictional stories and this is probably i don't know i don't know what this yeah one, the joseph campbell thing, thing yeah, about yeah. i don't think this is one of them I, mean, I don't think he came up with this one <laughs> tropes, this is the not tropes. the prodigal son this <laughs> no. is not the uh you know achilles um hero cycle yeah, yeah, i don't yeah, think yeah. so yeah. maybe i don't know it's good though it's a good good story um and anyway, it, it's like these problems that he's trying to address in an that Bostrom is trying to re- address in an academic way I think we get them, and I think what you just said, it's like, what is a human? What is consciousness? What is it? I mean, philosophers have been trying to address this problem for, you know, since, since forever. And so the more, so then it's more interesting to just think about the fact that it's going to happen and how it might happen and what, what would, and what would be the problems and how we might deal with them. And again, I think works of fiction have addressed that. Um, in a large way, like really well. I thought a lot about, you know, the Matrix, the first Matrix is such a great other movie about this, right? I haven't watched that one in a while, but um, the machines take over. So what do you think, if you, when you're walking around on the street today or any day, what do you think, um, this, so another word we haven't talked about in this discussion is the singularity. Right. Which is the woman, it's the moment when machines gain consciousness, right? Is that right? I, I've, you know, I haven't been able to pin down singularity. Um, I've also heard it, you know, it's the moment when we are all able to upload our consciousness onto an, a digital platform mm. and live forever. Or the, yeah, it's the moment. Mm. It's the moment when machines gain super intelligence, which means they're able to 
um, like know everything and do everything instantaneously. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like it almost feels like uh, that the part of the movie where like if this happens, the universe will blink out of existence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. it feels like a wormhole that yeah. we won't get out of. Yeah. Uh, it 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 feels like at at that moment time doesn't doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, I, there was the part, one of the parts that really, really got me going in this book that I actually locked into was when he was talking about what it would be like if your mind were, were working 10,000 times faster yeah, yeah. and you would be able to see the, the teacup falling right. for hours and like hours and hours and just observe it falling. Um, I, where, what was your original question? <laughs> that's, that's speed super intelligence. It's funny. We're trying to get away from the We're book, trying to get away from it. Let's but keep coming back no, to the, it. It's I a mean, use. I, my one thing, I guess the one thing about this book is it's such a great uh, these topics are great kind of jumping off points launching points for any discuss any big discussion or even a a small discussion about i mean you know you you, artificial intelligence is everywhere it's a part of our lives i mean it's been it's been around for a lot longer than we think Mm -hmm. you know it's been around since the 19th century Mm -hmm. that whenever we we were able to use something uh, to store information or to be able to do a task better than us. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's in a way that's artificial intelligence. Yeah. I think I don't. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? That's the definition right. Of? That's what artificial intelligence is. So then that's a little bit. I think that's a little bit of a difference between artificial intelligence and s- machine or otherwise super intelligence. There's like, yeah. There, there's language and then there's interaction too. Like when someone come when someone when you have a microsecond and then again as somebody who likes the visual like i like really good television shows and part of the reason yeah. i like really good television shows is because there's really good acting and there's subtle acting and again in this other th- podcast i was listening to today there's a discussion about how um people who write really good scripts for television shows write a really really and you know I, well the silent participant in this podcast knows some people who do this um right they'll write a long thing and cut and cut and cut and cut right and one of the most cool parts of the, when things get cut is when they realize that the um the actors that are in their employ are going to be able to uh project this these two paragraphs with like an uh, an eyebrow lift or something like that, like yeah. isn't that amazing? And yeah. that's something that's hard to conceive of machines getting to the point of understanding. But I don't, I don't, I believe in it. I believe in the singularity. I think it's going to happen, whatever I, it is. <laughs> I think the the central question there maybe uh, is like, do you believe that that the entire world, the universe, all of human interaction, all of human knowledge? you know, our souls, our psyches, like everything, 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 everything can be sort of uh, quantified or written down mm-hmm. or explained or, right? Because the, isn't that the question? Because if the answer is yes, mm-hmm. that we could yeah. sort of represent everything, everything, mm-hmm. capital E, yeah, everything. Yes. If we can, then all the of questions course. we're talking about right now are moot. Yeah. A computer would be able to understand. We of would course. a computer big enough to process all of that data mm-hmm. uh, fast enough would be able to do all of that. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I keep going back to. And so, what does that mean? Like, what are the implications of that, Gabby? Like, mm-hmm. what what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. Like, are we screwed? What does Nick Bostrom think? I mean, because I didn't finish it, so right. you gotta tell me what what's the big powerful he, ending. He, so it's well, again, it's well written. I feel like he wrote this like, and then he wrote the rest of the book. <laughs> He's like, I, sh- I can write a whole book based on this. Um, maybe I'll read the last, last, last paragraph. It's powerful. 
Um, yet, yet uh, I'll do it. Let, yet, let us not lose track of what is globally significant. Through the fog of everyday trivialities, we can perceive, if but dimly, the essential task of our age. In this book, we attempted to discern a little more feature in what is otherwise still a relatively amorphous and negatively defined vision. So he thinks it's bad. One that presents as our principal moral priority, at least from an impersonal and secular perspective, the res reduction of existential risk and the attainment of a civilizational trajectory that leads to a compassionate and jubilant use of humanity's cosmic endowment. So it's like with proper planning and preparation, it can be amazing. And that's uh, two sentences that I just read. BTW, <laughs> which is why this writing is bad. But with yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like with preparation, proper preparation and thinking about it, it can be awesome. But I don't know. I, so what, what do you think, like, again, let's go back to you walking down the street what you, or like sitting in your home. What is it that happens to you that, you that you're like, whoa, that's crazy. And it's like a step towards super intelligence. Oh, there, you know, there's, there, there are, here's the crazy thing about being alive mm -hmm. is that there are so many yeah. And yet there are none that can sort of crack the, yeah. you know, crack the, the existential code yeah. wide open. You know, it's like Google gets smarter and smarter at being able to predict what my stupid asinine searches are. Yes. You know, advertisements are perfectly yeah. in tune with my tastes yeah. and predilections. You know, cars are just arriving in front of restaurants yeah. ready to take me home. Yeah. And yet I still have no idea why I'm here. I have no idea yeah. what comes after death. Yeah. I have no idea right. what I'm supposed to do with my time yeah. here. Like it doesn't, like it goes back to something I read in a philosophy class in college, uh, Hume, because um, Hume has this whole thing about cause and effect where he's like, it's not real, it's not real. Cause and effect is a complete illusion. Mm. It's based on inductive reasoning. Just because the sun rises every day, it doesn't mean that it's gonna happen tomorrow. That's that's like, it, he, he goes to this great proof of why cause and mm. effect is wrong or fallacious or whatever the mm. word is. Mm. Uh, and yet at the end he's like, but you know, if you're crossing the street and there's a carriage coming at you, mm -hmm. You should probably get Just out of the way. Just get out of the way, yeah. And yeah. that's what I always come back to on these big trips, these into the the philosophical blue yeah. yonder is, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and like maybe, and like it, it was fun to hang out here in in this world of these extreme possibilities. But I feel like I, it's like not helping me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's not helping me and I need I need psychological counseling. <laughs> You're done. So this is a call out to uh you know Freudian analysts, uh psychotherapists, anybody out there, you know, if you if you've got the answers, mm -hmm. just let me know. <laughs> Religions, Taoist, Buddhist, yeah. Jews, Christians. You know, it's we're all just trying to figure out figure out that that big question. Why? Yeah, I mean, yeah, then that's, to, if we're going to talk about religion-ish stuff, I, I would say the, um, that one of my favorite, and maybe it's similar to what you were saying with Hume. It's like my, my favorite, the thing that's done the most for my psychological well-being that I've been exposed to in my adult life 
has been, uh, and it's this is a very imperfect experiment because I was raised very Catholic and I've been around a lot of Christian people and a lot of good number of Jews throughout my life and been to temple here and there and. Um, but I was I'm Jewish, by the way. Just, I know. You know, awesome. so throwing I love, that out I love there. Judaism. <laughs> I like how you, you kind of looked at me. You're like, and a good number of Jews. You kind of did like a kind of a Jewish kind of thing. Like, and some Jews, you know. It's still a minority. Although I lived in New York. It's funny I because. Lived in New York for a little while. Uh, you're around Jews when you're like. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, if you grow up like. If you grow up around a lot of Jews, you think there are a lot of Jews. Mm -hmm. You think the world is full of Jews mm -hmm. and like there are not that many of us. The, yes. <laughs> and so, yes, that's right. And as, as somebody who's spent the majority of my life in cities, cities, yeah. cities, cities, then I think that, yeah, my data set of Jews is, is uh, incorrect because, yeah, whenever I meet, I know a lot of people then from small towns who are like, I didn't, I've never met one. Yeah. One of those. <laughs> all right, sorry, go on. So you, of all the things... Oh, yeah. So Buddhism, um, I really... And it's not, I'm, I'm not... I don't know enough to, like, s say a lot about this that as, like, a philosophical approach to life or religion. But I did do a meditation course in India, and it was just 10 days of silence. And the whole point... I love the whole point, which is that there is... There's just nothing. Like, it's just, like, there aren't a lot of... Don't look for... There aren't a lot of words to explain right. <laughs> this whole thing. Yeah. All there is is, like, this little moment right now when there's, like... You can probably attest to, at, right at this moment, there is um, breath coming in out of your body. Mm, that's about it. Yeah. That's really it. And it almost feels like what I love about Buddhism. And I also love that anytime I talk to anybody about Buddhism who knows something about Buddhism, they always say, not that I really know anything about Buddhism. Mm -hmm. I love that because we're all like, we're all like that. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and it almost feels like there's like a humor and an absurdity mm, and like, exactly. a, that's what I love about it. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. Buddha like, was, he was laughing. That, that's the whole, that's like the whole thing. Like, yeah. That guy was just laughing. He's laughing his ass off when he realized whatever it is he realized. So maybe our next, I, maybe our next book needs to be in that sort of, uh, tradition yeah in that vein. Um, okay i came across a poem today by a guy named stephen dunn who is, if you're not into poetry or if you are you should know who this guy is because he's really really good um he's just an american professor dude who i think he's here in the midwest up in uh, wisconsin but he's solid started started to read this poem which i don't always read poems when i come across them then i saw it was by him so i finished it i'm going to read it right now and then we'll close out our discussion <clears throat> this poem is called Unnatural. I'm sure nature has disapproved of me for years, as if it had overheard one of my silent screeds against it, and my insistence that only the artificial has a real shot at becoming more than we started with, designed, revised, something completely itself. If it could speak, nature might say it contains lilies, the strange beauty of swamps, the architectural art of spiders, the many etceteras that make the world the world. Nothing man-made can compete, nature might say. Oh, nature has been known to go on and on. And if it wanted to push things further, it could cite our sleek per perfection of bombs and instruments of torture our nature so human we hide behind words that disguise and justify. But that's as generous as I want to be in giving nature its say. 
I've seen it randomly play its violence card, natural, no motive crimes, with hail and rain and vicious winds, taking out, say, trailer courts and playing fields and homes for the elderly. So I want to be heard and overheard, this time for real, out loud in fact, right in nature's face, to say I prefer the artifice in what's card called artificial, the often concealed skill involved, without which we'd have no accurate view of ourselves or of lilies in a pond. I'll leave you with that. Okay, so thank you for joining us today on The 12th Story. We encourage you to subscribe via your preferred podcast app. We're available on the iTunes Store and on SoundCloud. And if you like listening, tell your friends or tweet to us at, at Mercantile Lib. That's Mercantile L-I-B. Today's podcast was directed and engineered by Chris Messick. Special thanks to our guests, Ben Greenberg <laughs> and myself, Gabrielle Bloger. The Twelfth Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati. Our theme music was created by Doug McDermid. Don't forget to visit us online at www.mercantilelibrary.com where you can learn about our library and our upcoming events. Have a great week. <laughs>